Hey, God bless you. It's Apostle Anthony Wilson. I pray that you had an incredible weekend and that God blessed you uh, to see this Monday morning. So excited this week about our subject matter. Uh, We're going to get into uh, a little bit of news, uh, some updates, and then we're going to get into this week's subject matter. And I'm, I'm really excited about it because it was something that God placed on my heart and scheduled some some interviews that I'm going to do in the next two weeks or so uh, with some great men of God, uh, Pastor Joe Hill of DTB. Uh, we're going to be bringing him on in a couple of weeks and uh, uh, Chalmer Williams of uh, Fatherhood Fridays. We're going to be bringing him on. We just couldn't get our schedules together this weekend uh, to get things rolling, but I believe that it was a divine appointment and that God really wants me to talk about this particular subject that we're going to talk about this week. And so make sure you share this particular podcast. If you've never shared any of them, you're going to want to share this one. We're going to be talking about the powerful, powerful subject of how to forgive myself. Uh, So many people struggle with it. And we're going to dive into that subject this morning. We've got some very positive, positive news. I'm going to show you, I'm going to let you listen to uh, a few clips uh, from some great things that are happening uh, in the world. Uh, Some of you know that a few weeks back, uh, New Orleans Saints uh, linebacker uh, Demario Davis uh, was fined $7,000 for wearing a man of God headband. And so the story goes that um, he had been wearing it all season. But this particular Sunday uh, that the Saints uh, were playing, he led the cheer for the team and it got caught on camera. And so immediately as he went back to the locker room, they uh, notified him that he was going to be fined for the headband. Well, they went to court, appealed it, and he won. So he will not be fined. And he started a movement, a local elementary school uh, went out of their way, cut out man of God, child of God uh, headbands and made them for the students. Um, he is so thankful uh, that God gave him the opportunity to be his spokesman, whether he's wearing the headband or not wearing the headband. He said, I'm going to be a spokesman uh, for God. And so let's go into that particular clip. And then I have another uh, special news report after, especially this is going to be really special for those that are in Denver. Everybody knows about it, but nationwide, you may not know the amazing news uh, that I'm going to bring to you from Denver. And so let's uh, listen to uh, the Saints linebacker, Demario Davis, and his response to winning the appeal and the outpour of support from across the nation. The support around the nation of um, of everyone, um, believers and non-believers alike, just about you know being able to have uh, the freedom expression of your speech and uh, to be able to stand on on what you believe in in your faith has just been overwhelming. But I think the most credit goes to God because the statement that I made when it first happened is God can get glory from the situation whether I wear the headband or not. And so it seems like he's gotten more glory from me not wearing the headband than he's gotten from me wearing it. And so only he can do something to make it that big like that and move in the hearts of people. And so I just give the credit to him. And so uh, whatever, no matter the case, whether I'm wearing a headband or whether I'm not wearing a headband, whether I'm talking about a headband or not talking about a headband, I'm always use my platform to glorify God. And that's never going to change um, because I think he's the one who, well, I, I believe he's the one who, gave me this platform for that purpose to make his name known and 
So I'll always be about that. How'd you find out about the kids at that school wearing those, their handmade headbands? Uh, so a lot of people were texting me and asking me had I saw it. You know, I, a lot of times I'm not, you know, um, paying attention to what's happening on social media or, or whatever. I'm either in the film room or spending time with the family. And so, you know, I don't always get to see it. So some, a lot of people had sent it to me and then... Uh, uh, some people with the Saints had sent it to me and asked me if I saw it. And uh, by then, you know, I just I sent my gratitude and, and my thank yous to the to the school, and uh, we were able to. Uh, my marketing team was able to put together a post that you know um, for social media, you know, just to show our our gratitude. And then I was just asking questions about the school, like you know, how many students are there, how many uh, teachers and staff were there, because we're, we're planning on doing something. To, to show our gratitude. What an amazing, amazing, amazing story of triumph, um, of free speech. Uh, most people can say whatever they want in this country. And sometimes it feels like Christians don't have that luxury. But um, Saints Flying Backer shows that standing up for what he believes and honoring God in everything that he does is the number one priority of his life, not just playing football, but making uh, an impact with the platform that he has. And so we tip our hats to him, man. We applaud him and we pray that this encourages other athletes, actors, um, entertainers, uh, businessmen, uh, whatever your platform is. Uh, if you believe that Christ is Lord, then don't be ashamed to proclaim that. The Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people uh, called to proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. Uh, man, so I'm really excited about this. Um, uh, it's an amazing thing uh, because of the prayers and the fasting and those that were believing. But... Um, 12 months ago, just a little over 12 months ago, young man named Michael Hancock, a good friend of mine, a loving, um, exuberant, <laughs> a powerful man of God, um, had a tragic incident where he had killed his passenger. People know it as the Uber driver that killed his passenger. Well, just this past Thursday, he was announced as not guilty on all charges. Uh, and the excitement is amazing because he's going home to his family, um, to his friends, to those that were praying for him and believing in him. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, I ran into him um, full of energy, full of life. Uh, it was great to see him and encourage my spirit to just see this, this, this wonderful man of God home. Um, it does not remove, though, uh, his, his feeling of sadness over a life lost and having to take a life. It was not something that he intended to do nor wanted to do, uh, but he felt at that time he had to do it. And so he mourns and he prays for the family of Mr. Kim and he prays that they would find healing and that they would find comfort. Um, I'm excited that he's home, but we're also at the same time, um, our hearts go out to that family that lost um a husband, a father, a brother, uh, a friend, a son. And so we just pray for the Kim family as well as we celebrate uh, for the Hancock family. Uh, no relation to Mayor Michael Hancock. 
Um, but we are excited about that. And so we're going to listen to uh, the news clip and the announcement of Michael Hancock being released, uh, acquitted of all charges. The verdict by the jury was not guilty. An Uber driver charged with shooting and killing his passenger is found not guilty. That verdict came in this afternoon after a day and a half of deliberations. Denver 7's Lance Hernandez is live at the downtown detention facility. Uh, Lance, that driver's family is just ecstatic tonight. You know, I don't sense that that verdict came as a surprise to Michael Hancock's family. They were fairly confident out in the hallway yesterday uh, in front of the courtroom where jurors were deliberating. And today, when that verdict came down, they were ecstatic. There were hugs and cheers in the hallway following the verdict. Michael Hancock found not guilty of murder. Hancock's attorney argued that his client shot passenger Hyun Kim in self-defense after Kim allegedly attacked him while he was driving in the wee hours of June 1st, 2018. Prosecutors argued that evidence didn't back up the claim of self-defense and that Hancock committed premeditated murder when he got out of his vehicle after the car stopped. He allegedly fired 10 shots at Kim. Six of those shots found their target. Hancock's family danced in celebration in the lobby of the downtown jail and then screamed with delight when he was released. This is his mom on the way out to her car. I had no doubt. I had no doubt. I had no doubt. God is faithful. She told me she's happy her son is out, but said there's no joy because Mr. Kim is gone. Hancock's public defender spoke briefly. On behalf of the Hancock family, um, they would like to say this has been a tragedy for both families, um, that their prayers remain with the Kim family, and that the family has asked that the public um, and media respect their privacy moving forward so that they can process what has happened.
this process. To have a memory of your past, but not allow those memories to produce the same pain in your future. But today, it's time for you to get your life back. Instead of staying down, feeling sorry for yourself, I want you to pick yourself back up. God bless you. God bless you. This is Apostle Anthony Wilson. Happy Monday to you. And this Monday, we're going to talk about a subject that has plagued a lot of people, and it's about forgiving yourself. One of the most difficult things to do for most people is forgive themselves. And uh, we're going to talk about that today and how you can forgive yourself. And I pray that this podcast empowers you this week to do something great. And it starts with forgiving yourself. We're going to finish this song and then we're going to have a word from our sponsor and we're going to dive into how to forgive myself. God bless you. God bless you. It's Apostle Anthony Wilson. I'm back and I'm ready to roll on today's subject, how to forgive myself. So often when we talk about forgiveness, uh, we talk about a lot of aspects about forgiveness. And uh, one of the major struggles that I see over years of counseling and doing one-on-one discipleships and, and mentoring is people struggle to forgive themselves. Um, they may be able to forgive other people. They may be able to uh, forgive um, situations, that, but somehow they struggle with forgiving themselves. And uh, I understand that. I get that uh, fully because uh, a lot of times you have to live with yourself, right? And you have to live with the person that you are. You have to live with the image that you feel like um, you see in the mirror. Um, as uh, James Fortune says, sometimes the hardest person to forgive is the one that is staring at you in the mirror. Um, and so we want to dive into this subject and I'm going to take a little bit of time and really talk to you about what it means uh, to forgive yourself. Um, and there are four components to this. And this is an adaptation from uh, Very Well Living 
uh, website. Um, and it's from a study that I've been doing on uh, unforgiveness uh, and forgiving oneself. Uh, and it starts out with the first thing that you have to do in order to really forgive yourself is to accept responsibility for your actions. Um, a lot of times when we're struggling to forgive ourselves, we're looking for a reason why we did something. We're looking for um, some uh, demonic entity or we're looking for uh, some outside reason of why we did what we did. And it is hard to do that and stay objective. A lot of times when we do that, we feel condemnation instead of conviction. We feel pain instead of uh, the power to change. And so in Psalms uh, chapter 51, David gives us some language that I believe will help us to understand what I mean by accepting responsibility for your actions. Um, here's what he says um, in Psalms 51, beginning at verse one. It says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Now here's the part, verse three, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. It is important that we find ourselves in a place where we can accept that if I said the wrong thing, if I did the wrong thing, if I committed this offense against another person, that I acknowledge that thing and I acknowledge it to myself. I acknowledge it to God. And if the opportunity arises, I acknowledge that to the person. Sometimes that doesn't always arise because people are hurt and they don't everyone they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to be around you. But you have to acknowledge it first and foremost to yourself and acknowledge it to God and accept the responsibility for it. Accept uh, what possibly could happen. You know, you're asking God for mercy and grace, of course, um, because if you are truly remorseful for what you've done, you know that it is something that you would never do again. But here's the thing. Most people struggle with the acceptance part because if they accept it, they feel like they're owning it and they feel like they become it. And shame begins to kick in and they begin to feel as if they are worthless and that they are worth nothing if they admit um, that this thing that I've done is wrong or this thing that I've said is wrong or this thought that I've had is wrong or how I treated a person is wrong. And in that particular headspace um, is where you begin to beat yourself up. You begin to uh, try to create scenarios that either justify or demonize yourself that all. Uh, maybe I'm just, you know, not a Christian. Maybe, you know, God's got to do some work on me because I'm just not what I'm supposed to be. And instead of just saying, you know what, I've done this and I acknowledge it. Now, God, help me. Forgive me. Have mercy upon me. 
Give me a chance to make it right. Give me a chance to change uh, the outcome of this. I know I may not be able to, but Lord, if you find any favor, if I find favor with you, give me an opportunity to make things right. Acknowledging wrongdoing and admitting that you need to change something. You need to change the way you approach a situation. You need to change uh, the way you're handling situations. You need to change patterns and cycles in your life that you need to change something. And I think that that is the beginning point. But then I think the even more difficult thing is to feel sorrow, regret, or guilt without dwelling on it. To feel sorrow, regret, or guilt without sorrow, without without dwelling on it. Uh, David goes on to say uh, that against you, verse 4, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you'll make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David understood that he was guilty. He was guilty of the, the, the thing that he committed, the sin that he committed, and he wanted to change. In Second Corinthians uh, chapter 7, um, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and in verse 10, he speaks to them in a tone that most of us would be uh, we wouldn't understand. And Paul explains to them what godly sorrow should do, how regret should really operate, how feeling the, the, the sense of guilt should actually not condemn us or make us feel shameful, but it should empower us to make changes. Listen to what he says in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow, regret, feeling of guilt produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted but the sorrow of the world produces death the sorrow of the world produces death this means a sorrow outside of god outside of christ produces shame condemnation self-loathing you know hating of your life of the way it is uh, because we want the best for ourselves. How many want the best for yourselves and want to see yourself in the best light? And so when you don't, it makes you feel like, wow, I don't like this. I don't like the way things are because, you know, you know, the, the Bible is clear. No man ever hated his own flesh. But sometimes you can hate your own skin because it's not what you want it to be. It's not where you want to be. You want more for yourself. You desire more of yourself. He goes on to say in verse 11, for, uh, for observe this very thing, that you sorrow in a godly manner. Listen to this. What diligence it produces in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. In all things, you prove yourselves to be clear in this Matter. In other words, that when I really, really feel sorrow and regret, I don't dwell on it. I deal with it. I go and I make changes. I don't sit back and just say how terrible I am and 
how awful I am and how, how, how much I've messed up. No, I begin to make changes. I begin to clear myself. I begin to go and fix things. I begin to change the, 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 the things that have caused the problems in my life. And if I have to put down a particular habit, I go and I get help for that habit. If I have a particular issue that I don't know how to deal with, I find a way to deal with it. And thirdly, so the first is accept responsibility for your actions. Number two is feel sorrow, regret, or guilt without dwelling on it, but deal with it. Number three is confess and address your mistake. Confess and address your mistake. Sometimes we struggle to uh, confess our wrong, but the Bible is clear in James chapter 5 and verse 16 that we are confess our trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed for the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much power in first john chapter one uh in verse nine he says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so we confess and then we address our mistakes. We begin to walk in a different way. We begin to, if we can make amends with an individual, we make amends. If it's something that we have done and it's something personal that may not even involve other people, but we feel like a failure, we confess it to God. We allow for him to begin to heal us and we begin to change the way that we approach things. You know, Proverbs, uh, I believe it's 720, says that a righteous man falls seven times. That means that that person keeps getting up. They confess, they address, and then they move forward. And a lot of times we can't move forward because we're not willing to even confess that we're wrong. And then we don't want to address it. We want to push it under the rug, act like it didn't happen, or we want to just dwell in it and feel bad. We find ourselves at the bar or we find ourselves doing behaviors that are out of character or morally reprehensible. Or we just find ourselves going into a deeper place, but you want to address it. You want to go and sit with somebody and um, receive discipleship or counseling or, uh, or take more time in the presence of the Lord, begin to fast and pray and ask God to help you because uh, God desires truth in the inward part and the hidden part will make you to know wisdom. These are things that we have to go and do. And number four, assess and grow from your failures. Assess and grow from your failures. In James, uh, he tells us in chapter one, uh, verses 22 through 25, he says, but be doers of the word. Not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forget a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so as we assess what we've done wrong, we go and we hear what the word says about it. We take wise counsel 
and then we begin to implement the things that we learn. A lot of times, well, that, that won't work, or you just don't understand what I did, and you just don't know how bad it is, and I don't know if I can do that. But if you're really trying to make changes, if you're really trying to grow, then you'll take the word of God, you'll take the advice of godly people who know the word, who have a prayer life, the things that you hear from God in the spirit realm, and you will put them in to effect. You will put them into action because you don't want to be a forgetful, uh, a forgetful hearer of the word. You want to be an individual that when God corrects you, you grow from it. When God corrects you, you grow from it. Now, I want to address some very important questions that people have asked me. And I think this is important because you may have this same question uh, if you are a person that struggles with forgiving yourself. Here's the first question. How do I forgive myself without letting myself off the hook or condoning or even justifying my wrong? Well, I think we covered that. We accept responsibility for our actions. We feel sorrow or guilt over it. We confess and then address. We go and we get help and then we assess our problem and we grow from it. We figure out how is it that I did this? How is it that I made this mistake and how can I grow from it so that I'm not making the same mistake over and over and over again? I'm not letting myself off the hook because I am uh, forgiving myself because I've been forgiven by God. And so I'm not letting myself off the hook uh, unless I just say I'm sorry and I continue to do the things that I've been doing that I'm not actively working on making changes. I'm not actively receiving discipleship or counseling or some type of accountability that I'm not actively praying through and studying on this particular subject and trying to overcome it. Um, that's when you would say that I am letting myself off the hook. I am condoning or justifying my wrong if you're not actively making changes. And so for that individual who says, well, how do I forgive myself without letting myself off the hook? It's by investing time in growing from it and not staying there. Number two, how do I move on when I see the effects of my wrong or I am going through the consequences of my mistake. I think this is an important question because uh, sometimes you feel like you're reliving it over and over again because you see how people are affected. You see uh, how the, the person that you've wronged is going through and you feel like, man, how can I move forward when I see this? Well, you, the only way to move forward is to grow from it. Again, you accept responsibility, you feel, you own that sorrow, you own that regret and guilt over it without dwelling in it, but you deal with it, you confess it, address it, but then you assess it and grow from it. If you're not actively making changes, then yeah, you're not going to feel like you should move on. And I know uh, seeing the effects of it, you feel like, ah, I just want to quit. I just want to find a hole and bury myself. This is where people go into emotional areas where they feel like committing suicide. They have bouts with depression. Um, they turn to drugs and alcohol or, or aberrant behavior, and they start doing things that they shouldn't do because they feel hopeless 
about the fact that they're going through what they're going through and the effects of their wrongdoing and the consequences of them are just too heavy. But in that season, you want to remain at the feet of Jesus. You want to remain in prayer. You want to remain around believers who can who believe in a comeback, who believe in restoring such a one. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 said, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, restore such a one uh, in the spirit of gentleness or meekness, uh, considering yourself. And so you want to be around people who know how to restore so that you don't um, go inward and, uh, and implode. Instead of explode, you'll implode. You'll just turn on yourself because you're so angry with what you have done and you'll see the effects of it and feel like, man, if you just eliminate me, uh, we won't have to go through these effects of it. People won't be hurt anymore by what I've done. But that's not true. What you do is you compound it, you know, because now you hurt the people who support you. Now you tear yourself away from the people who have fought so hard to see you recover and see you get back on your feet. And so uh, learn how to keep fighting forward and growing and, and growing past your mistakes and growing past your issues because at some point you're going to grow so far past them especially if you begin to put those behaviors behind you and begin to uh, pursue growth pursue uh, spiritual accountability pursue um, spiritual maturity in your life and so yeah you you can get past it you can grow past it even though you're seeing the effects of it and you're seeing the, the consequence and you're dealing with the consequences of it in that state. Stay humble. Um, stay present. Don't check out. Don't give up. Just keep pressing forward. Number three. How will I ever feel good about myself when I const when I'm constantly confronted and reminded of what I've done? Sometimes the things that we've done are constantly thrown in our face that there's certain people who don't don't know how to move on they don't know how to let it go and we uh, tend to internalize the way they feel about us as who we are now because that's the way they feel about us if it's a husband or a wife or a spouse or mother or father or brother or sister daughter or son a best friend when we've wronged them it's almost like we feel like we're unworthy to feel good about ourselves ever again because we're constantly confronted and reminded of what we've done, of how we've mistreated uh, a person or did them wrong. But in order to keep going, we've got to remember our four things, that we accept responsibility for our actions, that we are allowed to feel uh, sorrow and guilt man I, I feel bad about it and it's okay to feel bad about it but you don't dwell on it you deal with that you begin to get help and you confess to whoever you can confess to because you may not be may you you have confessed to that person and they're still angry maybe you confess to your you know uh, disciple or, or mentor or counselor uh, but now you've got to continue to work on it and work again work past that failure become better in that area so that it never happens again. And if that person never forgives you, you have to forgive yourself in order for you to continue to grow into the person that you're supposed to be. Because you are not the sum total of your mistakes. 
Just because you made a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. Just because you failed doesn't make you a failure. Although when you're reminded of it and confronted about it, your emotions begin uh, to take that on and they want to hold on to that particular failure. And so uh, you've got to keep working, keep working on a better you, keep working on the you that you want to be, not the you that you were. Amen. Finally, number four, how do I move forward when the people I hurt are still hurting without feeling like I'm trampling on their right to be angry or hurt? This is a question that I get a lot of times because we'll say, well, I'm not that. And there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And those of us that are sensitive to other people, we feel like, you know what? Should I be flaunting this? Should I be speaking all about this? That, oh, I'm I'm no longer condemned. So they just have to move on. They just, no, you, you don't want to be that way. You know, you want to always acknowledge that, yes, I wronged this person. And yes, I feel sorry for that person. And I feel sorry for what I've done. But I am making changes in my life. And I'm not that individual. And over time, they will see that that was just a mistake. That that wasn't the person that I am today. And the person that I was, I've grown out of that person. And that may not be any consolation to them because they feel like, well, when you were that other person, you did that to me. And that's a person that you're going to have to continue to pray for. That's a person you're going to have to continue uh, to try to love them through their issues and their problems and their circumstances. And so you're going to have to push forward. You're not going to be able to just um, fix what they feel or fix uh, how they view you, but you are, you do have the right to be happy again. You do have the right to walk in peace. You do have the right to move forward in your life because uh, if God has forgiven you and you forgive yourself, even if that person struggles to forgive you, you've got to keep fighting to move forward. Uh, and I know this is difficult for a lot of people because you'll see them still hurting and you think, well, I can't feel happy about my life. I can't feel good about myself if they're still hurt, hurting. But you can and you should. And so make sure that you don't gloat about it. That you don't make it seem like you don't care because you do care. And your prayer is for their healing. Your prayer is for their deliverance. Above all things, you wish that they would prosper and be in health as their soul prospers. And so that is your prayer for them. And I just believe that forgiving ourselves is one of the most important things that we'll ever do and one of the most difficult things that we'll ever do. And so let me review our four steps and I'm going to uh, pray for you. And please, please message me, uh, send me a, a voicemail, uh, contact me uh, if you have questions or concerns or you, you need extra one-on-one -on -one counseling or discipleship. Uh, reach out to me. I want to help everyone that is in need of it. Share this with a friend that is struggling with forgiving themselves. And so remember, number one, accept responsibility for your actions. And the scripture reference for that one is Psalms 51. Acknowledge your wrongdoing and admit it. Uh, admit that you need to change. Number two, feel sorry. It's okay to feel sorry about it and to feel the guilt without dwelling on it, but deal with it. 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 10, and verse 11. 
uh, confess and address your mistakes. Uh, Psalms 51, uh, James 5, 6, 1 John 1, 9, and 10. And number four, assess the issue and grow from your failure. James 1, 22 through 25, and then back to Psalms 51. I pray that this uh, would be a help to you and encouragement to you on this Monday. And I pray that you press forward in learning how to forgive yourself. Uh, let me pray for you as we uh, go off the air. I pray that this is empowering to you. Share it with somebody who needs to hear this message. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would touch each and every person listening. I pray that you would strengthen them in this area of forgiving themselves. And I pray, God, that they would have revelation and understanding about what it means to forgive themselves and how to do it. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that there be a revolution of forgiveness, that forgiveness would abound and unforgiveness would be exterminated. And I just pray these things in the mighty and master's name of Jesus Christ. Again, I want to thank you for those that are supporting us. Uh, if you're not, consider it. Uh, pray about it. Uh, help us to continue to bless uh, people and your generosity is uh, so needed and we are so grateful for it. God bless you. Uh, till the next time, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. God bless you.